Hey everyone, Todd here from Droids Canada. Just as a reminder, Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, your favorite show, The Walking Dead, will be returning on AMC at 9pm. But don't worry, our show will be returning the following night on the 15th at 9pm. We'll basically discuss what happens in the show, rumors, and have some guest celebrities on the show, and whatnot. And make sure you check that out. You got multiple avenues. You got Stitcher, you got Podbean, you got iTunes, you got SoundCloud, you got obviously the Tangibound Network, and of course, DroidsCanada.com. Don't forget, every Monday night at 9 p.m., starting on February the 15th. Yes, sir, we promised you a great many oh, here tonight. Are you ready? What you gonna do, brother? Need a little statement? Step into a Slim Jim! You are completely pathetic. You do not go rock at a man who's got a machine gun! Spin the wheels, make the deal. You dare. With another episode of Real or Jabroni. Myself, Todd, is back with the pain in the ass person who keeps saying no. AJ. Yes. He's on the yes. he's on the podcast. Yes. Oh, he's saying yeah. Oh, you're Daniel Bryant now. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. <laughs> and we just if you heard the intro at the beginning, we're playing a new game because we can't decide which per topic we want to talk about. So we made the the wheel. Actually, it was wheel. AJ's idea. I, I threw it out there. And the, I, don't even, I already forgot the name of the wheel. <laughs> Spin, Spin the, the wheel, wheel make, make a deal. deal. And the first thing that won the deal was the three faces of Foley. Fantastic. Well, technically the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> technically the fourth were like... Fucking no, fucking no, fucking no. Okay, this one's okay. We can talk about this one. This one isn't too bad. So, we kept pulling good names, but then we're like, I don't know if we want to talk about this today. I want to do a little more prep for some of them, just to yeah, I want to do them justice. We want to make sure that we can have a huge in-depth conversation about it. So, this is actually a very easy one for us, because this is when me and AJ were huge fans 
of wrestling. It was during the 90s. Well, obviously we came in as fans in the 80s, but it was the 90s where I think the WWE was at a fever pitch for its ratings and its content was fantastic. And then there was this one night on Raw in 1996 where I think, would you say that Mick Foley had enough for Triple H? Is, this, is that how it came about? Um... No, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, I don't know really where their their heads were at with the, the quote, three faces of Foley at the time. Um, you know, Mankind was, was the start. And then, of course, Dude Love. And then Cactus Jack towards the end. And then a mishmash of all three at various points. Well, Cactus Jack was not a marketable character at the beginning, I would say. Because the WWE was not where they needed to be at for Cactus Jack's character to exist. Um, that's why Mankind came in and started that whole angle with The Undertaker, which led to, in one of my opinions, one of the worst matches ever, um, the Boiler Room Brawl with The Undertaker, which... <laughs> one camera, horrible sound. It, it, I mean, if they had more cameras and more production value, I'm sure it would have been a better match, but, I mean, it was what it was. But let's start with Cactus Jack. Like, Cactus Jack has been known all over the world for a lot of the crazy matches that he had if I'm right uh, you think um, he had some rivalries with Terry Funk in Japan which led to barbed wire Numerous. yeah barbed wire ring matches and then bombs I remember that yep and then uh, um, I, I don't know there was some sort of explosive it, I, I would I don't know what how they pulled it off, but yes, there were explosives involved. I mean, just remember that like Terry Funk like body slam was like a hip toss onto like a board that had like barbed wire on it. They land on, and then it like, exploded, and then <laughs> they fully got on fire. I'm like, oh, I really hope you're getting paid a lot to do this. Probably not. I'm ro- I- I'm rooting for you that you're getting paid a lot. Yeah, you're you're talking you know old school like King of the Death matches back in the day. And Terry uh-huh. Funk is a crazy, crazy old man. So this, <laughs> so I mean, we'll get into him. He's actually a topic. I threw his name in the hat, by the way. So it's there. Well, it's be an interesting conversation. But Cactus Jack has been around for a very long time before the WWE even conjured up as an idea to bring him in. He served his time in ECW as well. He also mm-hmm. did some time in WCW. Mm-hmm. Very minor time. But that was the problem. Is that that type of character? The will ultra violent be the word? I, would, I, I no, I, I would say I would say extreme. I, I don't know if I would go with ultra violent. Um, not as compared to something along the lines of CZW, right? They're, they 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 go top. I think uh, Mick would have been fine in CZW, but I don't think he would have oh, had sure. a very long career in CZW. No, <laughs> um, most most of those guys don't. Um, there there's a couple other really really. Uh, pretty violent feds in in japan too um i'm trying to think of the one off the top of my head and i can't think of it right now but mick it'll, Fo- it'll come to me yeah but mick, mick foley was an innovator in one ways into the ww attitude era like you can credit the rock and degeneration x bret hart steve austin whoever but mick foley had a huge hand in it and i think when mick foley came in it came in a good time um, I was just talking to you, and we can't really remember. I'll have to look it up later because I can't seem to find it right now. Um, is that he had a match with Triple H, just as following the night on Raw after Three Faces of Foley, where he introduced thumbtacks for the first time, and it led to him being pedigreed face first into a puddle 
of thumbtacks, and I remember crying on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a brutal, brutal match. Like, Triple H was bloodied up in ways he never understood before. Apparently, I didn't know this, but Paul Levesque's family was actually in the crowd. That wouldn't surprise me. And they were very worried because he was busted open. And I remember I was saying this, and I did look this up, and this I was able to find, is that he got back body dropped into a pallet, and a piece of the pallet broke off and went right through his uh, went through his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And he still finished that match. That's brutal. Yeah. But it was also the same night we we got introduced to Barbie. Uh-huh. Cactus Jack's favorite weapon, which is a barbed wire baseball bat, which is very interesting. Um, Foley went on to have some really good matches as Cactus Jack, but I don't think he won a title as Cactus Jack, though. As Cactus? No. I don't believe so. No. Which brings us to the next face of Foley. Um, we'll get and before we get there, what's what's what I know our audience is wondering: Is he real or is he jabroni? I, he's going to get the vote of real for me. As Cactus Jack? As Cactus Jack. So we're mm-hmm. going to move over to the... Uh, let's get the worst one out of the way. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Dude Love. Dude Love. This was a the original persona. The original one that started all. The one that made Mick Foley big is when he jumped off his house and did like a body splash onto some mattresses. Crazy uh-huh. fucking guy, may I add. Well, he's he's basically saying, hey, I want to be a wrestler. Look at what I'll do. You know? And and that's what got him started. That's what got him on the map, for sure. He did a lot of crazy Mm -hmm. things. And he did a lot of things, you know? He had a lot of great matches as Dude Love. But, I mean, unfortunately, the character was kind of cheesy. They knew the character was cheesy. The whole purpose of the character was to be cheesy. Um, Dude Love came out during the era of the Steve Austin McMahon uh, oh, what was the storyline? I think yeah, that was that storyline. Yeah, he came in as McMahon's champion, which it's kind of funny because he really was still McFoley, Cactuscheck, whatever. I guess I would say. Um, the only difference is is that he dressed up very humorously. That's the best word I'm going to find right now. Otherwise, everything else would be very degrading. Yeah. Um, and he did have some great matches though, as dude love, but the character itself was a joke it was a complete joke um i i I was never going to be sold and i'm very happy this is not a character that decided that this is something we want to run with permanently i'm very Mm. happy that was not a thing well it it was that that brief period you know and and of course you know dude love and austin when they won the actual tag belts briefly that's right you know um it, it, it was just i think a good break at that point from from everything that they had just to give a little bit of entertainment as much as you know the wwe gives entertainment wise in that aspect um you know i i just don't find as compared to some of the other feds out there that just the sheer comedy of things maybe if dude love was around during like maybe the pwg era right now maybe could be funny could be a good character to watch but beyond that I, I think yeah i think you could in, in something you know in a, in a PG, pwg standpoint chikara um any any of those kind of even even czw to a point they've got a lot of comedic parts to them as well with some of their characters they, they could pull something off right. but it's just 
you know, you you've seen some of those comedic aspects from some of those independent shows. Yep. And and I'm like, WWE would never pull this off ever. No, no. But it's funny, it's entertaining, and it's a nice break. I think Dean Bliv came to a time right after everything was happening with Mankind's character, which we'll get to. Like the, a lot of the Mick Foley has came out and say, and we all agree with him, is that he's never had a wrestler's body. So all he no, ever do is no. use his weapon as a use his body as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And he did it very well. <laughs> that he did. Like, even mm-hmm. if something as silly as puts a guy against the steel ring rope, uh, steel ring uh, uh, steps, and then just does a driving knee to it. And then if mm-hmm. he misses, he just kills himself on the hit. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no other way this guy's got knee problems. Yeah. Like, I mean, he had no problem taking those type of bumps. Oh, no. He didn't care. And I remember watching the documentary. I'm not sure. I'm sure you've seen it. It was uh, Above the Beyond the Mat. And yep. they sat down with him, and he says, "If I did not sell, if I did not go over the top on a lot of things I did, I feel like I cheaped the audience out of a great experience." Mm-hmm. And I mean, which will lead to Mankind's character, where his introduction came in during a time when the Undertaker had a difference of ways with Paul Bear, and then they brought in Mankind to be his new chosen one. I'm going to be cheesy and say it that way, mm-hmm. um, which led to a very interesting run. Um, this is probably the first real person that fought The Undertaker that actually gave him a run for his money, storyline-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the shenanigans, like he had this the same type of phenom kind of uh, aura around him. He would show up. I remember he came out of casket once or twice. I think he even came out of the mat once. I could be. Yeah, I, I can't remember point. everything. But like. I know, I know what you mean. I wouldn't necessarily say that the whole phenom or, or kind of the supernatural of the undertaker right. you know how, how he always rose you know back in the day um before he went kind of biker um right but but he had that you know what what was um testicular fortitude as they <laughs> always called it um the ages never quit you know it took everything just to keep him down and he would just constantly get up whereas you know undertaker played it off as the supernatural well, and Mankind, when Mankind's character was created, he was uh, played off as a wounded animal that is extremely dangerous. That's the, I guess that's my way to put it, because he always came across as being mentally disturbed. Um, I mean, he would even shave one part of his head underneath his mask to make it seem like mm-hmm. he was tearing his hair out, and he tore his hair out in masks. Remember the he, screaming. Oh, that, that was yeah. so annoying. We could have lived without that part. Mm-hmm. And then he came up with his finishing move, the mandible claw, which the whole angle, how they did everything, was fantastic for Mankind. And over time, Mankind's character kind of shifted a little bit. You know, he went from being that healed and everyone, and he starts saying things like, have a nice day, and everyone's like, wait a minute, this guy's kind of kind of interesting. You see the crowd take him in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, eventually he does turn face and becomes, he wins his first championship, I think it was on Raw, and it was his first WWE championship was on Raw. Which I think was a fluke in any one. I can't remember how percent sure. I just remember DX being in the ring. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember that. I have a lot that. of useless knowledge in my head. I admit that. <laughs> but pretty much he wins his first WWE championship. And he goes on to have a small title reign. And then it brings us up to where everything changed for Mick Foley. I think this was the match that changed how he takes his bumps. Yeah, You already know where I'm going. <laughs> Um, and that how far he's really willing to go. Um, we're talking about the Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, where things, I wouldn't say went wrong. 
it went unexpected. Um, the first bump was supposed to happen. Yeah. But not the second. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that first bump was initially planned. No, but I mean, I think um, that was one of those. Mick Foley's like, yep, I can do it. Yep. He's like, you know what? Just do it. And, that's and then the, at that point. The worst part, and I remember watching the documentary with Mick Foley. I don't remember which one it was, where he said, everyone think, everyone remembers that first fall. <laughs> as the most mm. painful fall, but only the wrestlers appreciate the second fall because mm. that mat does not give. Um, it does to a point. Not when you're falling from that high, though. <laughs> it only gives so much. I just remember, and then uh, I think I was at my friend Mark Ballinger's house at that time. We were watching the pay per view, and I remember the pop that he got from the crowd. Like Jr. actually thought he was dead. I think hmm. GR was sold he was dead. Because Pretty he, much. he wasn't moving. Uh, gets tossed off. How, how high up was that fall again, do you think? Uh, I'd probably... Would, off the cell? Off the cell. Well, you what, 20, 25 feet, probably? The difference between... And this is what a lot of people don't understand. The difference between the first and second fall... The first fall, he technically landed on a table, which is built to break away like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have the second fall... Well, Go ahead. Yeah, maybe yes and no. I don't. Well, like it I say, it won't cushion the fall completely, but at least it's not going to cushion it. Will it will slow a speeding I, bullet, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, as as much as it could, it's like taking a bullet off a kneecap. You know, it, it's going to stop it. You know, it's something gonna shatter. It's but. something at that point. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, and then um, that second fall, I'm going to say 15 feet because you had what the rings, what four or five feet up. You figure, yeah, about three or well, probably about four. Yeah. Now that wasn't supposed to happen. Nor Bart Cowley, nope. the Undertaker, or Mick Foley knew that that was going to happen at all. No, that that cage giving way was was not uh, not planned. And you could tell when he went through that cage. If you zoom in on the Undertaker's face, he dropped he dropped a brick because he thought oh, that sure. was it. He thought he actually killed him at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. The worst, the worst part of about that, and, and I can still, and, and there's images of it, but the one that that really just told me how crazy that guy was was that picture when he's sitting in the corner after he takes the bump through the falling through the cage, and he's in the corner. He's got the tooth sticking out of his nose. His mouth is bleeding all over the place, um, and and he's smiling. You know, he's like, okay, I've already taken one fall off the cage. I just fell through a cage. I'm still here. What are you going to do? You know? Well, and that's the thing. Though. The thing about Mick is that I don't think he... I think Mick feels the pain, but I don't think he doesn't hate it either. For a guy to go through the beatings that he's gone through... And yeah. this leads to the whole argument that pro wrestling is fake. Because this match alone only proved that it is not fake. The ending is predetermined for the most part for the most part for the most part but how you get to that ending is a long trial of suplexes power bombs head chair shots um and so forth and so forth that get you to that point
is this type of match that made companies like WWE go, okay, so we need to really sit down and figure out about better safety plans. <laughs> Especially about that second bump, because that second bump was not supposed to happen. No. And that could have killed Mick. Yeah, it, it's it could have definitely done a lot more damage. That's for certain. And that's and the second time when Mick went through the cage, which was uh, it was through the top of the cage, was against Triple H in his retirement match. That cage was built for him to go through because they had the actual ring go f- cave in, mm. so for him to take that bump so he wouldn't get hurt. Because that was the one where he had the two by four of the barbed wire and he lit it on fire. Mm-hmm. Which was another extravagant match. And that leads to the next part of the Mankind conversation is that, you know, he had some excellent runs with multiple guys. He had, he actually had an okay run with Shawn Michaels, but the ones that come to mind is his runs with Triple H, mm-hmm. The Rock, and The Undertaker. Yep. He had minor runs with Stone Cold, but I don't think is it, it fails in comparison to the other three. And the one that stands out of those three is going to be Triple H, because they had some really brutal matches um, to settle the score, I guess I would say. Yeah, there was, there was certainly a lot of good runs back and forth. Um, it was just one of those things, and it was it was good to see that it wasn't your typical champ for a while. You know what I mean? You you didn't have you know the 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 perfect body. You know the the big. And, and I, I speak to this a lot when it comes to WWE, the, the heavyweight, you know, like a big guy like Brock or Undertaker, Kane, um, you know, or The Rock, you know, this is this is Joe Average, you know, that can take a beating. Well, that was the thing in the 80s, though. The thing in the 80s was having those big uh, Olympian, style, Olympian style bodies, and it was kind of the 90s yep. where they kind of toned it down a little bit. Like, you had bigger guys, but, I mean, they weren't, like, Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior huge dudes. Like, you had a few of them. Like, I mean, in the 80s, you had Andre the Giant. He was a big dude. And then mm-hmm. end of the 90s, going 2000s, then you had the big slow. I mean, you had those big guys. The big slow. <laughs> it's the big slow. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That rock promo will always make me laugh. I don't care what anyone says. So, back to Dude Love. Rio or Jabroni? Fucking Jabroni. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan. It was a nice break and all, yeah. but I, I go Jabroni. And I agree with that. Fucking Jabroni. And Mankind, I'm going to give him a reel. I gotta go with the real. It was it was a solid gimmick for a long time. And you know what? He uh, evolved great. Like I mean, it wasn't like he went from the whole "I'm a wounded animal" to "I'm kind of a face." That's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to find the best way to put it. It's gonna sound horrible either way. Um, that kid that couldn't make do anything in his life win the belt, and then after that he became more of a you know a comedian. He, he kind yeah. of evolved along the way. He had excellent raw, uh, runs with uh, Terry Funk and then with sorry, Chainsaw yeah. Charlie. Cha- yep. Good old Chainsaw Charlie. Yep. And they had those tag team matches against the New Age Outlaws, which was a fantastic run they had there. But then I remember him and the Rock and Sock connection, which brings me back. <laughs> I'm just going to bring that up. Yep. The, uh, brings me back to the uh, It's Your Life, the, the Rock's It's Your Life episode on Raw. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Or even when Mick Foley showed up at Vince McMahon's uh, hospital bed, and that's when Sako was born. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, understanding his wife probably shit on him a lot for a lot of the things he did. Um, it was time to go into more of the comedic role, and I think Mick Foley did an excellent job of doing that. I think um, he ended up. He could play the 
he could play your your crazy mental you know type guy he, he could play the comedic role um throw in the rock you know master of the mic yeah done deal easily i mean easily um but then eventually came the time it was uh time to hang up the tights per se and then he moved into the commissioner role where it wasn't too bad it wasn't too no. good no i mean what do you do after wrestling i mean there's a lot of guys that don't do well after wrestling ends for them no it, it all depends on on what they're doing backstage at that point you know some of them will go into you know training teaching um some will get into you know a commissioner or a booker type role um you know some some turn to commentary uh there, there's so many different avenues that they can go to some of them just you know fall off the, the face of the planet and you know fall back to the indies at that point you know trying to still you know scrape some cash but I mean I don't think that's ever going to be Mick's problem ever because Mick Foley became also an accomplished author Author, I read the Have a Nice Day which is one of my favorite books I've ever read I just think it's mm-hmm. hilarious Especially I enjoyed it he came up with children's books He's been... didn't didn't see any of those, but no. I did read did read a couple of his his normal books. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the child book. I couldn't stop laughing at them. I saw that at Coles. Um, <laughs> just because it's Mick Foley, you, you can just tell. You can just hear him reading it as you're reading it. And you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Like you're just laughing as you're listening as you're reading the actual book. Um, he also went into other bunch of roles. He went to TNA for a bit. He did some commentary there. Small amount. I don't think he was there that long. Um. I don't know how I, I can't remember exi- it wasn't too too long that he was in TNA maybe maybe two years yeah. you know I, I don't think it was a very very long time frame no maybe maybe three um you know it, it was it was spread out he had he had a, a couple good good runs there but it, it wasn't as big as some of the runs he had with like Triple H the Undertaker yeah he only had, he was only there for a year TNA? Yeah, just a year. Oh, no. He, more than that. Oh, no, no. He was Oh, no, it was two up. years because he actually did a storyline with Abyss and Bischoff. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh. much where everyone goes when the career is done. <laughs> um, Everyone's went there. Everyone's went there. But, I mean, Mick has, like, I don't think Mick's ever going to 100% retire. He's still doing the shit in the indies. Like, he's doing a show t- this month. Actually, I think it just happened. Oh, it like just happened. Sorry, he was just there. Mm-hmm. That's it. He was just hanging out. I mean, I think he's always going to be a part of wrestling as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that's good for Mick. I just hope he never gets back in the ring again, and not because I doubt his ability. I just doubt if he's going to be able to walk again after. Uh, yeah, at that point, I think I think his ring days are certainly done, unless it's going to be just like a spot, you know, where where he takes a takes a hit, you know, someone someone clobbers him one. That that's about it. It's not going to be a match. You know, I hope one day I actually get the opportunity. I hope we can do it one day too. Maybe I'll tweet him and see what happens. We'll get him on the show just to shoot the shit. I mean, obviously he's got a oh, huge geez. thing. Yeah, I mean he's a talker. You know he's a talker. Um, yeah, Hank. You know he's got a lot of things under his belt, and a lot. And if you look back at it now, um, if you when Mankind first premiered, you're like, this guy's a nobody. He's going to go nowhere because that was during a time where they had a lot of jobbers come on. Come on, come off. Don't even last long. And I remember meeting, seeing uh, Mankind for the first time. I was like, what is this guy's deal? And now we look, what, two decades later, 
he's a WWE legend. He's a legend almost in every industry. And he'll never have to work a day in his life, and he still does. Yep. Can't really complain about that. Yeah, some people get bored if they weren't doing anything. And he does a lot of stuff, too. Like, I mean, he, he's, you know, he keeps himself very, very busy. That is for sure. Um, he, he's, I'm sure he's still doing a lot of appearances at the cons and conventions around. Um, he, I know I've seen him make a number of appearances all across the board, but how, how involved he is with them, still... I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be nice to get an opportunity at some point, right? If, if we can catch him, right. but uh, there, there's a few others that would definitely be on my plate too. Well, and that pretty much wraps this up. Uh, I mean, Three Faces of Foley debuted in Raw War 1996, April 1st. Actually, it was the day after WrestleMania. Busy times. It's a long time. It is a long time. Well, that's all we have that's, for this God, one. 20, 20 years ago. Oh, God, why? <sighs> so, Mick Foley as a whole, real or jabroni? As a whole, real. Oh, for sure, real. And for that, we salute Mick Foley. <laughs> <laughs>